Well, this is the magic of thinking big. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome into 48 Days Radio. Hey, you know the routine. Typically, we take 48 minutes and talk about real-life questions from you, the listeners. Things we're all struggling with, trying to find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Well, the last couple of weeks, we've had a common theme. It keeps showing up, this magic of thinking big. And I said, we ought to devote a, a session to talking about just that. Well, this is it. I'm going to go through just some principles from the old classic book, The Magic of Thinking Big. You know, I run into this with kids who are eight years old and people who are 88 years old, where the principles need to be in place. We need to be reminded of them. I'm going to give you five quick action steps. These are real easy things to do. Again, whether you're eight or 88, easy things you can do to change your level of success. So hang on, we're going to talk about those. Here, our sponsor today is FreshBooks. Want to talk to you a little bit about that? They keep updating things, making it better. FreshBooks, you know that one of the challenges, whether you're working for somebody and just have your own personal accounting finances to keep in place, or whether you're doing something on the side as a little business or you're a full-time entrepreneur, keeping your books straight is a challenge and something critically important. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers and others who know that making every moment count a central part of having a rocking productivity. By drastically simplifying things like invoicing, when I mean, you can create an invoice in 30 seconds, send it out, you can know when they open it, when they saw it. Yeah, they aren't going to tell you, you know, gee, I didn't get it. You can see when they actually opened and saw it. It'll help you track expenses, getting paid online. FreshBooks has fundamentally changed how more than 10 million people deal with their paperwork. One of the things that is really cool that I love, you can link your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit cards so that the next time that expense of a business lunch or a tank of gas, just scan it, it'll show up automatically in your FreshBooks account. Uh, the new notification centers, like your personal assistant, you'll always know what's changed in your business since you last logged in, what needs to be dealt with pronto, like overdue invoices. So to claim your month-long unrestricted free trial with no credit card required, go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Check them out. Well, this magic of thinking big concept keeps showing up. Um, you know, I've got three grandsons who are reading The Magic Thinking Big this summer, one of the three books that uh, somebody in their life incentivized them to read. So I'm getting book reports, which is pretty cool to see the how it's challenging their thinking. But this is that when you believe I can do it, the how to do it develops. And that can be a challenge. It doesn't matter where you are on the age spectrum. It can be a challenge. It can seem like a circular argument because you may really not think you can do a certain thing. You may not think that you can run a mile in six minutes or whatever it is your goal is. But if you really think you can't, trust me, you've given your mind, your body, your spirit, the message, it can't be done. 
Now, this is where we got to change our thinking, perhaps. This is not some phony mind game where you're going to pretend you believe you can do it. You know, or, or we've heard the old cliche, and I hate this cliche, fake it till you make it. You know, just pretend you can do it. I don't like that. I don't like anything phony, and I certainly don't like that. Fake it till you make it. But here's a kind of a, a corollary, and it came from our friend Zig Ziglar years ago, who says, instead of saying fake it till you make it, tell the truth in advance. Now, is that a cool statement or what? Tell the truth in advance. So if you set a goal and say, I'm going to, you know, weigh 165 by the end of the year, and that's a, a stretch goal for you, you tell the truth in advance. Now think about the Super Bowl that we had earlier this year. You know, that, that was, of course, an amazing game. I'm, I'm not a big football fan, but I certainly watched that game, as many of you did. Patriots and the Falcons, midway through the third quarter, the Patriots are down 28-3. to three. Now, what if they lost, which everybody anticipated certainly that was going to happen. There's no way they could come back that much. What if they lost and Tom Brady, quarterback of the Patriots, said in the locker room afterward, yeah, we were down just too far. I knew we couldn't come back from that much deficit. I mean, that would have been acceptable because it seemed like that would be a pretty obvious outcome. But obviously that was not his thinking even though logic and historical statistics would point to them not being able to win. Well, they did. I mean, obviously Tom Brady never had the thought that they could not win. He believed they could. And in that sense, he was simply telling the truth in advance. Look at things not as they are, but as they can be. Now this, we can give this kind of a tangible kind of flair here. When we bought the property that we have here, you hear me talk about it a lot. A lot of you have been here, the property that we have just outside Franklin, Tennessee. But when we bought it, it was a pretty plain farm-style house. There was not a plant, a tree, or a bush that bloomed with any flowers or color. I mean, the previous owners thought the woods were a convenient place to drop old washing machines and refrigerators. There were old cars rusting, car parts scattered over a wide area, after 17 years of living here, I still once in a while find a car part back in the woods somewhere that's kind of half buried. There were piles of rocks and areas full of old stumps and thorns. Now, many of you have seen our place in the last couple of years. Joanna and I have personally planted over 100 trees and bushes that provide color all year long. There are multiple areas where we've used rocks from the property, but arrange them to create beautiful walking areas and play areas for our kids. And we added a 350 foot zip line for everyone's enjoyment. I mean, the little barn that was here is now um, new roof on it, rebuilt, bright red, like a little barn ought to be. The original house is now covered with stacked stone and stucco, has new porches and sidewalks. There's a beautiful little bridge from which you can see a waterfall running down into a pool that the grandkids play in pretty much all year long. Now, if we had simply seen this place as it was, we would not have been that excited. You know, the first year we were here, I had a sidewalk put in that came out from the house about 20 feet and then into a big circle and then down stamped concrete 
down toward our driveway, winding down that way. Now, that probably seemed a little odd. As most sidewalks come out about three feet from the house, they make a 90-degree turn and run right down the side of the house to the driveway. I put ours in way out from the house. And then Joanna and I planted shrubs and flowers in that open area, then between the sidewalk and the house. And there, people commented on it that it was a little different to have the sidewalk so far away from the house. But then about eight years after we purchased this place, we had a crew come in and create a dramatic water feature in that open area. So there's water that runs down, then it runs through a creek area, down past that little bridge, and then down into an open area. Now, the reason we had that open area was because I had seen exactly what we have there in my mind those many years before, before we could ever afford to have that actually done. But I believed it would be possible at some point. And so I made the area for it way in advance, years before we could actually have it done. Now, every week I tell stories on this podcast about people who saw something in their mind and then took the action to make it a reality. Now, in The Magic of Thinking Big, David Schwartz talks about a person is the product of his own thoughts. A person is the product of his own thoughts. And incidentally, when I talk about this book, this is a book that was written in 1959. So it's not new. And as is true with most success principles, they're timeless. Doesn't have to be something that somebody just thought up last week for it to have significance. No, it's timeless. And this is one of those that I go back to again and again and again. When I started thinking about this, I walked over and I had six copies of this book on my bookshelf because it's one of those things, you know, when I see it at a garage sale and they have 25 cents on it, I can't bear the thought of passing it up. And I just get more and more copies and I give them out to people just at will. But I've got one little well-worn copy where I've got a lot of notes in it where I read it the first time myself. And I've probably read that, my goodness, maybe 35 years ago when I first read it. But it, it had a profound impact on me then and continues to even now. A person is the product of his own thoughts. In chapter two in this little book, the author talks about excuse-itis. He says, unsuccessful people suffer from a mind-deadening disease, excuse-itis. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have a college degree. My health isn't good. My family's too poor. I mean, we can go on and on with the things that people come up with as excuses for not having success today. You know, one of the things that I encounter a lot in working with middle-aged people who were making some transitions in terms of what they're doing is the fact that they had a lot of advantages very early in life. I mean, I talked to people who came from wealthy families where they were allowed to go to the best schools, had fancy sports cars while they were going to schools. And because of that, uh, they now have a DDS or an MD or a PhD or some or JD behind their name. So they have an advanced degree because they were able to do that. And then at 45 years old, they discover, you know what? I think I'm living somebody else's dream, not my own. Now here's the irony in this. And I'm, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll read a, a quotation from Henry David Thoreau that kind of lays this out. Thoreau said this, 
I see young men, my townsmen, whose misfortune it is to have inherited farms, houses, barns, cattle, and farming tools. For these are more easily acquired than got rid of. Better if they had been born in the open pasture and suckled by a wolf, that they might have seen with clearer eyes what field they were called to labor in. Now, that's a very eloquent little passage, but I see that in terms of the son of a physician becomes a physician. You know, the daughter of a teacher becomes a teacher. You know, it's very easy to just replicate the success we saw in our parents if that path is open to us. And I do see people, like he talks about, you know, I know a guy who, who's daddy, I don't want to give any details, but whose daddy was very famous as a country singer. And because of that, this son, being the only son, inherited a whole lot of money, a whole lot of property, and he's never really carved out his own path at all. He simply kind of moves around hoarding his daddy's money that he inherited, but he's never really found his own space. Tried to be a singer himself, eh, didn't really have a lot of success. You tried a couple other things, eh, it's pretty easy when you have that kind of a safety net to just not really push very hard. And so now here he is, a grown man with kids of his own, and uh, there's never really identified what it is that he's good at. Sometimes it's a disadvantage to have what we think look like advantages. And we hear stories often of people who had to struggle at the beginning areas, who had to struggle to kind of find their own way. I mean, I certainly came from um, meager beginnings. I remember when we had one cow and then we got another cow and we had milked them by hand until we got 12 cows, milked them by hand twice a day, 365 days a year. Well, I don't begrudge that upbringing because it helped me see other opportunities to think about what possibilities would be and to get a hold of books like The Magic of Thinking Big and start to plan out what my own path was going to look like. Now, Albert Einstein adds a thought to this, imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited to all we know and understand while imagination embraces the entire world and there will ever, ever will be to know. And there, um, I really messed that up. Let me start over. Imagination is more important than knowledge for knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. Imagination opens the door way beyond the reality of what we think we may have. Now back to magic thinking big. Fear is the major obstacle to thinking big. Fear. Students of success agree in this primary principle regarding fear. Action cures fear. Indecision, procrastination, inactivity, fertilize and nurture fear. You know, a lot of times I hear from people who are waiting until they get their book just right. They've been working on a book for seven years and they're waiting to get it. They keep hearing things that'll make it better. Well, my encouragement typically is throw that manuscript away, start over and do something uh, that's fresh and new, but trying to get something perfect is never going to happen. And it can be an excuse for inactivity. Debbie Clement Stone, who was the, uh, I think he was the founder of success magazine but anyway, certainly the publisher for years, uh, trained thousands of insurance agents. I used to quote him a lot, do what you fear and fear disappears. Now this doesn't mean, you know, if you're afraid of jumping off 
the top of the Statue of Liberty, you know, just go ahead and do it. And your fear will disappear. No, that'd be stupid. I mean, we have to have a calculated, intentional, carefully thought out plan. But even with that, it seems like we fear things. You know, do what you fear and fear disappears. Uh, a few years ago, there's a little book, I think it was Julian Smith wrote a book called The Flinch. And he talks about that, that feeling that we get right before we're going to do something that we've never done before. So it creates that kind of a fear response in us. Mm. But then when we get through that, we think, wow, this is not so bad. This is not so bad after all. I can do this. He gives as an example, you know, turning the shower on totally cold and stepping in there. Well, I talked about that multiple times and just used it as an example. And finally, I had a thought, hey, this is pretty ridiculous. I need to stop using this as an example unless I've done it myself. So I did. So I could experience exactly what he was talking about. Turn the shower on totally cold. Now, there's some people like Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins who have, you know, ice tanks that they submerge themselves in in the morning before they start their day. I didn't do that. But turning the shower all the way on cold is a different experience. But you know what? Stepping in there, and I've done it multiple times at this point, but stepping in there, yeah, it's that initial, oh my gosh. But you know what? About a nanosecond later, it's like, wow, this is kind of refreshing. This isn't going to hurt me. This isn't going to kill me. So I encourage you to do those things sometimes when it's only fear that's holding you back. Now, a related principle is this, to think confidently, act confidently. Too often in our culture, we wait on our emotions. To feel, we feel lousy, consequently, we act lousy. When I was teaching introductory psychology, university level, you know, I used to ask kids in the morning, well, how do you feel? Oh, got up on the wrong side of bed, you know? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, how, if you tell yourself you feel great, you will, in fact, convince your body and your mind you feel great. I mean, if you do that, if you get up in the morning, let's say that you do have a headache or whatever, you're not feeling great, but you tell yourself, this is a great day. I'm grateful for these five things. Wow, this is the way my day is going to shape up by 10 o'clock. Believe me, you'll be feeling better. In the same way, we know that we can change somebody's sense of how they're feeling and I used to do experiments with this in the psychology department at the university. But uh, if somebody shows up and you say, wow, you know, what's wrong? You, you really look kind of puny today. Well, the person will say, well, no, I'm okay. Well, and if we had somebody else, a plant in the room, who five minutes later would say, wow, did you have a rough night? You know, you look really rough. If we do that about five times, you know what? That person would, in fact, start feeling really rough. That start, person would start feeling sick, convince themselves they need to go back to the dorm room and rest because they're really not feeling well. Well, to think confidently, act confidently. Tell yourself you feel great. Now, Joanne gets tired of me uh, telling her that, you know, so it's raining outside. I carry my sunshine inside me. You know, it always amazes me when we have people that complain about the rain, even the weather people. You know, they, they act like it's some kind of a disaster that we've got, you know, a 60% chance of rain. Well, bring on the rain. I mean, that's what makes the grass green, the flowers bloom, the trees grow. I mean, I love rain. I never complain about rain. But it seems they can frame it so that it's something negative. Well, we can change that if we decide that it is, in fact, something positive. And we can change the way we feel by changing the way we act. Now, here are these five simple actions to help you feel more confident. Now, these are not some deep philosophical 
kind of things. These are simple practices, again, that you can do no matter what your age, no matter what your situation. Five simple actions to help you feel more confident. Number one, be a front seater. Sitting up front builds confidence. It's funny how you see it, even like workshops and seminars, people kind of slide in the back and, you know, and grab a seat right in the back row. They don't really want to commit, you know, not really sure what's going to go on. Don't do that. You know, then you have the distractions of everybody sitting in front of you, people pulling out their iPads and their phones, you know, your mind will wander. No, if you're interested in something, be a front seater. Sitting up front builds confidence. Number two, practice eye contact. Looking the other person in the eye tells him or her, I'm honest and confident. Now, that's one of the big things that we see in interviews. If you're interviewing for a job and don't look directly at the person who's interviewing you, it's a real negative. It's a real red flag to them. Look at the person directly. It tells that person, I'm honest and confident. So practice that. It also tells people that you're listening, that you're paying attention you know, you have little kids around and you're sitting there watching TV or reading a book or looking at your phone, you won't convince them you're paying attention. The only thing convinces them is if you look directly at them, stop the other things you're doing, but it'll help you feel more confident if you do that. So practice eye contact. Number two, number three, this one is going to seem strange, but it absolutely works. Walk 25% faster. Now, psychologists link slovenly postures and sluggish walking to unpleasant attitudes toward work, oneself, the people around us. I mean, it's the extremely beaten down people, the real down and outers who just shuffle and stumble along. They have zero confidence, but the walk of a confident person tells the world, I've got someplace important to go, something important to do. Now, this is not about stressing yourself out or just everything's urgent, but just if you throw your shoulders back lift up your head, move ahead just a little faster, you'll feel self-confidence grow. I used to have our kids, we'd go to the mall and I'd have them just sit there and watch people. I said, you can tell a lot about a person by just watching how they walk. You really can. I mean, you can see somebody who's happy, who's confident, who knows what's going on, who has something important in life, something that they enjoy doing. And the opposite is true as well. Well, number four, practice speaking up. As you speak up, you add to your confidence. It's a confidence-building vitamin. Now, this is, doesn't mean you, you change your personality. You can be introverted and shy, but still practice speaking up. When you have a thought, an opinion on something, know how something can be done well, make it a point to speak up. Tell others. Let others know what it is that you have that has value. Practice speaking up. And number five, smile big. I mean, this is so easy. I mean, you try to feel defeated and smile big at the same time. I mean, you can't do it. A big smile gives confidence. A big smile beats fear, rolls away worry, defeats despondency. These are simple steps, things you can do to take action and reduce fear. I'll come back to those. We'll recap those in a minute. But let me just a couple other thoughts here. And we're going to, this is going to be a shorter session today because we're just dealing with this one theme. And I want it to be short enough that you can get your teenagers to listen to, you know, your grandparents to listen to and gather around, you know, just these things that will help people no matter where you are again in the journey of life, things that can help transform, reduce fear and increase the things that you're able to accomplish. 
in Proverbs, in the Bible, Proverbs 15, 15, it tells us, again, these common sense principles. It says, when a man is gloomy, everything seems to go wrong. When he's cheerful, everything seems right. In Proverbs 17, 22, we're told, a cheerful heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit makes one sick. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul encourages us to be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, here is this, that, that responsibility for us to take action. Renewing your mind is not some kind of phony mind game, you know, positive mental thinking. That's, no, it really is renewing your mind by putting new thoughts in there. We can control what goes into our minds. Now, Dr. Schwartz maintains that there really is magic in thinking big. He observes from uh, case history after case history that the size of bank accounts, the size of happiness accounts, the size of one's general satisfaction account is dependent on the size of one's thinking. Well, then the obvious question is, you know, Dan, why, why doesn't everyone just think big? All of us are influenced by the thinking around us. And most of the thinking around us is little, not big. I mean, that's why I continue to tell you to be careful about choosing the people you spend time with. We do tend to acquire much of the thinking, mannerisms, and characteristics of the people we're around. In the same way that we become desensitized to negative sounds and odors, we tend to become immune to the negative thinking of those people around us. I mean, you know how that goes. I mean, people move next to a railroad track. And the first night the train comes through at 2 a.m. And my gosh, they bolt right up out of bed. You know, what is that? Well, after about three nights of that, then they sleep like a log right through that. Same way you may live close to a fertilizer factory where the stench is horrendous. But if you're there for a while, you become kind of desensitized to that. It just seems normal. You don't even notice it when somebody else comments on it. Well, those kind of negative influences can work in a whole lot of ways. The same thing is true if you're with coworkers and they're negative, complaining about the company, the boss, the management, the economy, the political process, you know, all those things. Yeah, you tend to kind of take on those same kind of negative ideas. You're convinced the sky is falling. Henny penny, the sky is falling. No, you're just listening to the wrong people. Well, again, even the Bible clearly provides warnings. Keep away from angry, short-tempered men, lest you learn to be like them and endanger your soul. I mean, that's pretty harsh. It comes from Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Keep away from angry, short-tempered people. Boom. Well, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Emerson said, great men are those who see that thoughts rule the world. Milton wrote in Paradise Lost, the mind is in its own place and in itself can make a heaven or hell or a hell of heaven. Shakespeare, of course, shared a lot of insightful philosophy in his plays, observed there's nothing either good or bad except thinking makes it so. Now, now some would criticize, you know, kind of the path I'm going down here, that big thinking is, is phony or unrealistic or even superseding God or simply wishful thinking. Well, there's really nothing phony about the power of belief. I mean, the belief that I'm positive, I can attitude generates the power, skill, and energy needed to do. When you believe I can do it, the how to do it develops. It may seem counterintuitive to think, well, I'm going to believe I can even when I've never done it before. Well, that's how you get to new levels of excellence. That's how you get to be able to do new things. 
Believing you can succeed makes others place confidence in you as well. Disbelief is negative power in the mind, but disbeliefs or doubts, the mind attracts reasons to support the disbelief. Then doubt, disbelief, the subconscious will to fail. They're not really wanting to succeed. You know, those are the things that are responsible for most failures. I mean, there's power in thinking big. Now, some of you know that Joanna and I have a annual tradition of going to Chicago the week of Christmas. Joanne's birthday is December 22nd. As a little girl, it was always overshadowed by Christmas, so I've always made a big deal out of it. So for many years, we've been going to Chicago, just a magical city that uh, she loves in particular. Right there at Christmas, all the decorations are out up and down the magnificent mile. We ride the trolleys and see the store displays, Macy's and places like that. But one of our first years there, we visited what was then called the Sears Tower, And at the base of this magnificent structure is a quote from the architect of that tower and many of the architectural wonders up and down Michigan Avenue in Chicago, Daniel Burnham. And the quotation read is this, make no small plans. They have no magic to stir men's souls. Make no small plans. They have no magic to stir men's souls. I love that idea. Little plans, little goals don't excite anybody. I heard Robert Schuler one time say that people don't get excited about little project or ideas. And he said it was easier to raise a million dollars for a new fountain outside the church than to get $1,800 for a new dishwasher that they really needed in the church kitchen. People get excited about big concepts. Well, you can do the same. You can do the same. If you're a big thinker, you can watch it transform your results. You can watch it make dramatic steps forward in the things that you're able to do. Well, I want to recap again. We'll just wrap it up here with a recap of those five little action steps that you can do. And I'll put these in the show notes so you can review them, pull them up, print them off, put them on a refrigerator, put them on a sun visor in your car so you can read them together as a family when you're going somewhere. And these are things we're you can change your level of success, eliminate fear, move ahead of the pack. Number one, be a front seater. Number two, practice eye contact. Number three, walk 25% faster. Number four, practice speaking up. Number five, smile big. Those are such simple things. You don't need more education. You don't need more time. Those are just things you can just be decisive about doing. I've practiced those for years and years and years now. And believe me, I have no way to measure exactly, but I'm sure those things had played a large part in helping a little farm kid from Ohio, you know, accomplish some things that others in the town may have not have accomplished. Hey, you can check out the magic of thinking big. I encourage you to uh, pick up the book. My gosh, they're everywhere. They're easy to find. And you can also get the audio read by David Schwartz, the author. Go to audible.com slash 48 days and you can get a a free copy of that if you're not an Audible member. So that's a cool way to... uh, to engage with the message. It's four hours and 10 minutes long hearing David himself read the magic of thinking big. Well, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up with that. We're going to start to kind of play out here at this point. Going to make this a little shorter one. We can do that. We got license to do that. I wanted to make this a clear theme, the magic of thinking big, just a timeless message for helping us move forward 
and the kind of things that we want to accomplish. You don't have to settle for less than. You don't have to settle for being behind the pack. You don't have to be concerned about being too young, too old, not having enough money, coming from a poor family, not having the right college degree or not having a degree at all. I mean, all of those things, those are not the real critical components of determining what your success, your future is going to look like. It's how you think. It's a thought you put in your mind. No, this is not some kind of phony mind game. This is a reality of how our lives unfold. This is a reality of how we create the future that we want. So when we talk about setting goals, about having the future that you want, you know, we're getting ready to you know, go into another year here. And as we do, it's not just some mind game to write out goals that you want to have. If you start planning the, the thoughts in your mind, as we're talking about here in the magic of thinking big, you can in fact accomplish those big things that you want to accomplish. Well, thanks for being part of this messaging group, this group that we where we share ideas and resources so freely. The 48 Days Eagles group, we're sharing things in there. People are emerging as leaders because they had the confidence having the support of other people to step up to the plate and do things they never dreamed possible. But thank you for your part in being one of this growing community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less. Thank you.